Welcome to the Loved Called Gifted podcast. This is your place to come for musings about spirituality, identity and purpose. I'm your host, Catherine Cowell. I'm delighted for this episode to be joined again by Polly for another conversation about some of the principles around Myers-Briggs that help us to understand one another. Today we're going to have a conversation about two concepts called sensing and intuition. There are three others in this series. We did an introduction and then Polly and I had a conversation about introversion and extroversion. And then I had a conversation with Sean about thinking and feeling and the differences between those two. So Today, we're going to have a conversation about sensing and intuition. And we sort of roughly divide into people who have a preference for sensing and people who have a preference for intuition. And the intuition in Myers-Briggs terms, if you ever see a kind of a Myers-Briggs personality descriptor that has an N next to it, just to be clear, we're not Myers-Briggs practitioners. We are people who have been working with and journeying with these ideas for a long time. And so we're simply giving our insights. So if you wanted to really get a good idea about your Myers-Briggs personality type, then the thing to do would be to go and spend some time either with a really good book on the subject and or somebody who's a Myers-Briggs practitioner who could help you to do that. So thank you ever so much for coming again, Polly. It's brilliant. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be back again with you. So do you have a bit of a definition for sensing and intuition? I do. (laughs) It's all around gathering information and taking in information. So for me, I am a sensing, I'd say I'm a very high, highly sensing person. And it means that my head is quite busy a lot of the time because Mm -hmm. I take in information through all my senses. So if you ask me to remember something or if I have a memory of something, I won't just be describing what happened. I will have stored away with that memory, potentially smells that might have been significant, noise, any kind of noise, music, etc. If there was food involved, I would probably probably be able to remember whether I enjoyed it, how tasty it was. Mm -hmm. So if you think about our five senses as such, it means that I'm kind of collecting that sort of information through all my senses as as I'm wandering through. So in a particular situation, when I'm thinking about things, I tend to be thinking on the basis of pulling in that kind of what I would call concrete information. Whereas on the intuition side, it, it means that when you sit and think about something, your information is probably more likely to come from stuff that you already know and it comes from somewhere in your head. It doesn't mean that you pay no attention at all to what's going on around you, but it is, it's kind of a more interior thinking and consideration. Yeah. That's kind of... As an intuitive, as somebody with a preference for intuition, I want a theory and then I'm happy to kind of fill in the bits. Whereas my experience of people with a preference for sensing is that you're not going to understand the big theory because you're not particularly interested in that until you understand what the kind of concrete details are. Yes. So you want to build up a picture. 
Whereas I want a framework that gives me a lens through which I can then look at things. So as we're talking about it, Myers-Briggs personality typing is one of those frameworks Mm -hmm. that I would use. So if I'm having a conversation with somebody and I notice that they are very expressive, that they are talking a lot, but I'm not really getting a word in edgeways, then my Myers-Briggs kind of framework comes in. I think, ah, I am speaking now with an extrovert. (laughs) So I remember when I was working at the hospital, quite often the chief executive team would come up with a big theory about how we were going to move forward as a hospital. And quite often those big theories would really annoy and rile my sensing friend. So what on earth does that mean? So at one point they got very enthused by the fact that Tesco's had a particular approach to to managing things and they talked about the whole sort of every little helps concept and felt that that mapped really easily across to the hospital. And I thought, oh yeah, yeah, no, I can see how you could make, I can see how, I can see where there might be comparisons with that, I can see how that works. Whereas my sensing colleagues were sort of saying, well, that's got nothing to do with healthcare. So unless somebody says, well, let's talk about how that might actually apply on a day-to-day basis in a in a hospital setting, where we might think about small things that we could improve that will make a big difference. Now, you could argue about whether that was a sensible theory to be coming across with, or whether it was relevant, or whether it was helpful yeah. or not. But I did get what they were aiming at. I think what what's... What's kind of going off in my head in, in response to what you're saying is that I, th- I think that a sensing person in, in a kind of in a mixed group where somebody is, if you like, vision casting, for want yeah. of a better word, somebody who is sensing can come across as being quite negative about progress. Mm. Because before we will sign up for something, it's like we want to nail down the details. Yeah. So at the end of a meeting, we wouldn't be happy to say yes or no to a particular set of suggestions without having worked through all the potential impacts into all of the systems that we kind of know. And the the other thing I was thinking, what you were describing to a certain extent was about, ex- I'm thinking about experiential learning. Yeah. So, so both sensing people and intuitive people will have a degree of experiential learning as well. And it's one of the things that I'm quite interested in is how Myers-Briggs fits into people's preferences for particular ways of learning information. Yeah, I, I think I'm mean, thinking about the experiential learning. I'm just remembering um, science lessons at school. And I think part of the issue with science lessons when we did practicals is that quite often I think probably the equipment was a bit naff or a bit dirty and it didn't quite work out as you wanted it to. Mm-hmm. But I was much, much more interested in what's the scientific theory. Really interested in working out what it is that we want to know from this experiment and what that tells us about the world. Far less interested in actually sitting and doing the experiment. Okay. That almost felt like a bit of a distraction because I've got it now. I understand it. I understand what we're doing. I understand about chlorophyll in leaves. I don't need to bleach a leaf to find out that it's got green stuff in it because you've just told me how the green okay, stuff so works. Okay, so you're happy to accept... There is this stuff called chlorophyll. You, you don't have a burning issue to to kind of check that it is what they say that say it is. Respiration in yeah. plants. Yeah. Yes. Once I've got that, and I I do want to know how you've come to that conclusion. 
but I don't have a need to sort of for, on a sensory level to experience it okay whereas I think a, a sensory approach would be well I'd like to see this in lots of circumstances I'd like to see it working and now I've got the proof and now I can I, I get a picture of how the world works sort of sort of that way round. Yeah. I think a, a lot of it I mean when it when it comes to a lot of my own education I'm kind of working backwards so mm. I'm I'm kind of having to to think through experiences and stuff that I had based on what I now know because you know I had I had been through all my education before I understood or came to an understanding of Myers-Briggs. Something that has been that has made it more interesting is because I'm I'm now in a position where I'm teaching and I'm having to look at things like learning, you know, what how do people learn best, different ways of presenting information. So I, I use my own experiences a lot in that sense. And I guess that for me the sciences um chemistry was always the one that came most easily to me because it was so demonstrative. It's like mm. you put something with something else and something happens. And I wasn't too worried whether or not the thing that happened was the thing that the teacher was had led us to expect was happening. But because there was something concrete that I could connect to and respond to, and I had seen something, I had smelt something, I had heard the bang or the fizz or the crackle or, or whatever. And what I do, do find is that with with a more theoretical science, something like physics, for example, mm. a lot of what I was taught in physics, I didn't understand because it wasn't exemplified in something concrete. Yeah. So I know that sometimes I've, I really struggle. And again, with, with in some of the conversations we have with Tom and the things that we talk about, so we, we talk a lot about beliefs and, you know, what could be called philosophy, worldviews, the way that people think about things. And sometimes the resources that he suggests I might read, I I just don't get on with them at all because no. it's too it's too theoretical. Yeah. So to me, somebody could explain some kind of thought process or some some kind of theory about how the world works. And straight away I'd be like, that doesn't help <laughs> or something, you know, it doesn't help humanity to be better humans and stuff like this. So there is that thing about having something concrete. I need to be able to see how something is going to work in the real world. I have done visualizations mm. and I'm actually, I can very easily get lost, especially if a visualization is about something that has happened to me. But for example, I've done something where we had to draw a picture of the garden of the, the house that we lived in when we were seven. Yeah. And I could so easily have got lost in that because there were so many different aspects to it. And it was like, you know there's a lot of concrete detail in that isn't yes if you're looking at a garden there's lots concrete. of concrete details yes. so i know that if i am speaking to people who have a preference for sensing it's no good just explaining my big theory i need to say so what this means practically for you yes. on tuesday morning yeah. is this this is what it will look like this is what it yes. looks like so if i'm listening to to a talk or a lecture or a sermon at church then i'm interested in the theory bit when people start to say so what this means you can do with you and i'm like perfectly happy to work out my own good ideas thank you very much yeah. and i quite like the process of working out my own good ideas from the basis yeah. of my having understood the theory 
And I think one of the powers that intuition can give you is that actually you can quite quickly see the wood for the trees. So when I'm coaching somebody, what I'm looking for is, well, what's the pattern here? What's the big shapes? If you were drawing a picture, kind of what are the big colours? What are the what are the things? What are the links? Where are the things that are kind of beginning to tie together to create a bit of a pattern? And quite often, I will be able to spot those links and the person who's in the middle of it can't spot them. And you say, well, I think I've heard you say this several times. So I'm wondering if there's something going on. Oh, yes, you're right. The thing that's that's really interesting with that, though, is that I would do something similar, but possibly because I've I've observed so much over the years because, you know, my, my thing is people and pastoral care and all of those sorts of things. And I think because I've made so many observations, that kind of pattern matching, I do but coming coming from the the sensing perspective no i think it's i think it's worth pointing out at this point that we've both been around a while yes and yeah. so one of the things that happens is that as we get older we grow into our opposite yes so i am much much more sensing than i used to be so i'm much more likely to notice things yeah. and notice details and enjoy that than i used to be yeah. so i quite enjoy just sitting and looking at something mm-hmm. in a way that yeah. i didn't some of the ways that i relax sometimes might be sit with a cup of tea and look and a number of years ago i don't think i would have i don't think i would have done that in the same way yeah I'm understanding more and more why it is that geology was such a good fit for me Mm. because I didn't, you know, there's a whole load of stuff I didn't really understand about myself at the time and how I operate. But coming on onto geology, and it's so observational, you know, it is, you don't get much more concrete than than a rock, really. (laughs) So it kind of, and sometimes the rock is concrete because I've, you know, done a lot of work with concrete as well. I was just thinking about the way that people with, a preference for sensing and a preference for intuition can come across to one another as if they're missing the point when actually they're not. So the first incident I'm thinking of, and I have a preference for intuition and I was leading a staff meeting at the department that I was managing. And my question as a sort of visionary person was, so I'd really like us to discuss together what we could do to improve the department and make things better. There's a bit of silence and then one of the members of staff said, that soap dispenser in the toilet is dripping. And I think it would be a very good idea if we sorted that out because it is it is a trip hazard. And I'm thinking, you have completely yes. missed my question because yes. I'm talking about what's going to improve yeah. the department. And then I tweaked because I had recently, it was not long after I'd first encountered Myers-Briggs, I thought, ah, now, you have understood the question, and you think the department would be better if we sorted out the dripping yeah, dis- soap, soap dispenser. Yeah. And and she wasn't wrong, but that didn't feel like the kind of the big stuff that I was expecting people to say, like, well, this part of our service, we could expand, or we could make this bit smaller, or maybe we could have a project to do communication aids for this group of people or so I was thinking big picture and she was thinking very small picture and then I'm thinking of a conversation I had when I was doing some coaching consultancy stuff um, with a fairly big organization I'd done some coaching with one of the members of staff and then was wanting to have a conversation with her boss and he began the conversation by talking about what he perceived 
to be the changes in politics across Europe. Okay. And for him, that was relevant to the conversation that we were having. But I mean, that is big, 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 big picture. So I can see this global trend, which inevitably means that things are going to be shifting in this way. So my member of staff, who's got a team of four people, <laughs> needs to be thinking needs like to have this. eight or 12 people. Well, I don't think it was even that, but I, it was kind of, so her perspective needs to be influenced by this big move so I can see this socio-political change coming over the horizon that we need to be prepared for. And both of those perspectives have merit, but you can imagine that my soap dispenser person was not going to understand my Europe-wide political movement person and vice versa. And actually, I did some, I did a training day on communication with, with that particular organisation. And we talked about big chunk thinking and small chunk thinking. And I know that is a it's only one element, I think, the sensing intuition type perspective. But they found that really, really helpful to know that some people are going to think in small chunks and some people are going to think in big chunks. And so you need to be able to translate for one another. So if you're a big chunk thinker, then you need to, to be aware that this thing is going to, at some point on Tuesday morning, somebody is going to need to do something. Yeah. And if they don't understand what it is that they're going to need to do, to do yeah. then what you're saying isn't going to make any sense. Not everybody who works with a product is going to understand that product the way that the designers have. Yeah, so that's <laughs> your passion for instructions and then being good is about how is this going to work on a day-to-day -day basis yeah. practically. And, and needing to, to, to understand, mm. you know, that the, the person using something needs to know how to, how to understand it. So certain things, if it's a practical thing, I guess that I've become aware that I need to see it being done, which comes back to the, the kind of the chemistry and science at school. Because in chemistry, we would be doing something with physical things. I, I could then understand the textbook explanation of, of what was going on because I've seen something. I guess with a lot of physics, you can't, to me, you can't see it. So you can see the effect. It's like with the apple dropping from the tree, isn't it? You don't see the gravity. You see the impact of the gravity on something else. So it's so it's kind of it's a step away from seeing. See, I like I like abstract things. I think my downfall is that I'm not not that great with numbers. So thinking okay. numbers doesn't work for me. But I, but in principle, I think I would really have enjoyed physics because as an outsider, what I would observe is that there are a relatively small number of principles from which you can derive lots all sorts, of stuff. Lots of stuff, and that's what I like. So I loved. I was very lucky that I went to a school that did Nuffield that did nothing okay. sciences. Yeah. And what was brilliant about that was that they would give you the principle and then when you were in the exam, you would have lots of examples that you'd never come across before. And I loved that because I really liked that kind of, okay, so which principle, which overarching principle do I need to apply to this now? That for me was just, it was just great fun. I really liked that. Whereas when it got to sort of A-level chemistry, there was a lot to remember. You know, lots of... Mm an organic chemistry oh my life and i definitely wouldn't have done biochemistry because that's like the most convoluted yeah. bits of chemistry with the most convoluted 
detailed bits of biology and I wasn't into that. But again, it's, it is interesting that because I'm like, for me, the whole thing with chemistry, and, and this is where there's an overlap with, with things like atomic structure. Mm. There's an overlap between physics and chemistry. But it's like I could visualize what would happen because I understand the structure. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff with, with you know, the particular, you know, my specialty, which is not just geology and rocks, but engineering it. I always think that in effect what I am is a material scientist. Yeah. So because I understand the layout of the material and where the you know where the atoms are and the structure of it and how it forms, that's how I know how it's going to behave in certain situations. So all of those situations they can be described mathematically, mm. which is kind of where the you know the design and stuff like that comes in. But I think my mine is is much more. It's kind of like an understanding of the material, almost as if I'm inside the material, and it's I kind of. So it's it it's interesting that you know we seem to have found some examples that sort of work really well. I think to show that different approach. If I just compare the way me and, me and Tom when we we're driving up to a roundabout, I I am preparing for the next manoeuvre a lot more further back down the road than Tommy usually is. So he he would be, oh, right, there's a roundabout coming up. And then at the roundabout, he then looks as as we're all trained to do. But I tend to be making that, that decision rather than being made at the point, I will have been making that decision and kind of preparing for it in, in much more in advance. So I, I would argue that that my driving is probably a bit smoother because I'm 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 kind of responding, processing, responding the whole time I'm driving, not when something changes or when you've got a particular manoeuvre to do. I don't right. I don't even know whether you're looking a bit puzzled at me. <laughs> I'm thinking. <laughs> no, I, I think you're probably I think you're probably right that I don't I, I'm not particularly listening to the sound that the car's making. I'm not. I'm not noticing lots of things. I'm noticing the big things. Yeah. So there is a roundabout. We are turning left soon. Yeah. This is a forty mile an hour zone. Not necessarily all of the details. So, in order to drive well, I need to employ some of my perhaps sometimes underused sensory skills. Sometimes. I remember um, hearing somebody say that people with a preference for sensing are much more likely to categorise things into smaller chunks. And she's a Myers-Briggs practitioner. And one of her questions often is, do you separate your wardrobe into different colours? Yes. <laughs> I do. I do not. Yes. And do you have, this is, this is something that I would notice, and do you have different notebooks for different things? Yes, I do. See, I can't cope with different notebooks yeah. for different things because I can always see how there are overlaps between the different things. There are. So it's a challenge sometimes. Yes. So I, I have at various points in my life had more than one notebook for different purposes, and always ended up with one Just notebook. One. In fact, at one point when I had a paper diary, almost all of my note taking was in the diary. So I have a separate paper diary and I then have a separate notebook which literally is just for reflective stuff. If I see in the supermarket shelves, you know the the kind of the A4 notebooks with all the different tabs? tabs. Yeah. I do not like those. 
they don't work for me because I don't know what to put in which section. So this is interesting because I don't like them either. But the reason why I don't like them is I see it as a limitation. Right. <laughs> which is probably quite interesting. But probably I can see where it might fit because the, the way I, I'm very, very organised and the way that I keep everything organised is by colour. Mm. So, for example, at work... Um, because I teach on different modules and different subjects that I teach. I've got about five categories for different aspects of my work that I do. And each of those, I mean, part of the reason of doing colour is that the the files, sometimes even the paper, but certainly ink colour, pens, notebook colour, can sits very well with that. I know what something is concerning. When, when I was first... Um, teaching at Keel, um, I was still working with the engineering and I was also doing voluntary work in, in other capacities. So so having these different colours and different notebooks. And I still do it. So I, I will have I have a particular colour notebook for church, you know, church stuff which mm. I write notes in in the back, you know, there's admin stuff to do with church. So so from the outside it doesn't look as as kind of structured in some ways as it used to but probably the thing with those notebooks I love the idea of them and they look really neat and tidy because I, I adore stationery anyway but if I did try to use one of those in my, in my life and separate my life one of the sections would be filled up within a couple of weeks and there probably wouldn't be anything much written in one of the other sections so that to me would be kind of a waste <laughs> that's really funny because actually what I've, I've listened to you talking in huge detail about yes I'm about how notebook. you would organize things okay. and notebooks and what kind of notebook you need for You're this thinking, and I <laughs> well you just need that seems to me like an awful lot of brain power for something where to my mind you just want a notebook yeah like I can have one notebook my life is simpler <laughs> see, I, I would I guess I my response to that would be that because it's the way that my brain works, it isn't hard work. No, and that's one of the things that I notice, that actually people with a preference for sensing are much are much happier with lots of things than I would be in, in all sorts of ways. I remember when we used to live across the road from one another, your house fascinated me because there was an awful lot of stuff in it, but you knew how to organise it. So, I mean, the fact that you had, you didn't need cavity wall insulation, you had book insulation. Yes. Um, <laughs> you had many, 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 many things. All of those things, you knew exactly where to lay yeah. your hands on them. So I remember at one point saying, I could do with some, could do with, you remember those photo corners that used to yeah, exist? Yeah. Like, yeah, I've got a packet of those. <laughs> do, you want, do you want clear ones that are self-adhesive? Let's go. I have them and they're in this they're in this place. Yes. There's a sort of yeah. there's a level of order and there's a level of ability my, to my deal desk with. drawers have been admired long been admired in my workplaces. People are like, oh go look at Pauline's desk drawers. They've never seen anything like it because it's like they're so tidy. Yeah. Whereas I I feel quite overwhelmed by many stuffs. And I think partly because I don't I 
I don't think in terms of individual things. I think in terms of much bigger categories. One of the moments when I clearly felt God speak to me was when we were trying to sort out what is now my office upstairs, and it was just full of stuff. And I walked in, and I couldn't see, well, there's this thing that could do with going there, and there's that thing that could do with going there, which I I know my sensing friends would. So you thought, oh, yes. Yeah. Whereas I was just like, oh, my life, it's a big mess. And I clearly, I clearly heard the Holy Spirit say to me very specifically, one thing at a time. And I'm like, that's not going to work. There are many, many, many <laughs> things. But if you're saying one thing at a time. So I did just start to take one thing at a time. So I dealt with one thing at a time, which felt just that didn't make very much sense to me as an intuitive because they're all different things but actually i discovered that once i had been doing one thing at a time for 20 minutes 40 minutes an hour i'd made quite a lot of progress and mm. and got through it mm. so i get overwhelmed by many things i i think probably also there is a there is also an in an introversion element to this but i don't like sensory overload but i'm not very good at managing lots of details mm -hmm. so i i have sensing friends who remember their bank account numbers you're nodding yeah i would never i've never got to the point of yeah. of remembering my my bank account number and i don't remember in much detail either so if i've watched a film i won't remember I probably won't remember particular scenes. I will have. I will come away with having enjoyed a being sense part of the of film. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Or if there is an element of story or something that you enjoyed or didn't enjoy, or yes. Or if there is something in it that gives me an example of a particular principle or a particular idea, then I will remember that, and I will remember the scene connected with that. But I won't. I won't just randomly remember the stuff that happened in the film. To the extent that sometimes I don't even remember that I've watched something. And I remember years ago when you used to go to Blockbusters and get videos out. Had the really, <laughs> had the really annoying experience of going all the way to Blockbusters and getting out a film that I had watched before and hated because I just didn't remember didn't that. Remember I, I didn't remember seeing it. It took a while. It took quite a while for me to get into it. Like, oh, no, it's this one. And I've gone and got it again mm -hmm. because the same thing that attracted me to it the previous time attracted me to it this time. Again. Yeah. So I have, I think it's true to say that people with a preference for intuition are much more likely to have a, a focus which is, which is towards the future because you're looking at where could we go with this, what yeah. might happen next, rather than a preference for thinking about things that happened in the past, because the things that happened in the past is that kind of, is in some sense that boring, concrete, obvious stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. There is this sense that we're looking at, at what we have already seen and what we have already experienced. Yeah. But some of that, you know, you bring it down to practical, and this is in some of the books that I've read, it's things like going on holiday. You know, if, if somebody is sensing, for example, never surprise them with going away, you know, hmm. for the weekend because they will struggle with, you know, what, what you know, I haven't packed the right, the right clothes. You know what you said about the colours and stuff like that. So it's like I would deal very badly if you if you – if you picked me up and took me somewhere and said, hey, look, we're going to do this, that and the other, I'd probably be quite uncomfortable because I'd be like, but in order to enjoy this, I need blah, 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 which I don't have because I didn't know that this was what's going to happen. And it can make us seem 
kind of really stayed. And if somebody is very spontaneous, mm. they can think that, oh, oh, you're such a plodder. You know, you never do anything exciting. And it's, it's like, well, because, because, you know, for me, and, and this I think is, is probably one of the, the, the ways in which it can be negative sometimes is what I was thinking about is that because of that needing needing order and needing the details to be in place, I think sometimes I can find it quite hard to relax because if something is is not where it needs to be and it's kind of in my vision, I find it difficult to relax. I'm fine in somebody else's house because yeah. I have that thing that, you know, how somebody else has the, somebody how somebody has their house is how they have their house. Mm. But in my own house, I know I find it quite difficult sometimes to relax because I'm like, but there's that that needs doing and that that needs doing. And if I'm sitting here, all I'm seeing is there's this little mess in the corner over there. So I, I kind of, I very much control my environment. So pe people will always know where where my seat, where my chair is in my house because there, there's always kind of things around it going back to the the going on holiday thing i'm very happy to improvise so that i mean i think that's one of the things that intuition can gift you with is an ability to say well i'm just it doesn't matter if i've got the thing i'll i'll find another way of doing it and i know that can be a sensing thing too but there's the sort of well i'll find another way of doing it or there'll be a different there'll be a different way that we can mm. we can manage this so i'm not that fussed if i haven't got the stuff whereas i would notice that if, when i've gone away places with people who are sensors then they will often take more stuff with them than i do because a they can handle the more stuff yeah. and b they are much more likely to notice the sorts of things that we might want yeah. whereas i'm not so i'm really not so fussed i'm not so worried about yeah. things i'm i'm i like i like thinking about things i like experiencing things i like being with people i'm not that fussed about the stuff there will be a small number of bits of stuff that i want but i'm not i'm not nearly as i'm not nearly as okay. bothered we, we we have a phrase for us in in our house it's that i'm a bit of a boy scout so it's that thing about being prepared yeah for every eventuality and i that's definitely a sensing thing. Yeah, and 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 also it's a it's about and some of it I kind of think well it it, it is it's kind of around other people as well because it's kind of like well you know I'm I'm because sometimes I'll be thinking well okay I'm I'm happy with this but I think because of because of the feeling as well I'm always trying to anticipate other people's needs as well so it's like it isn't if I knew that the only person that I had to keep happy was me. I would probably, you know, who knows, I might pack in a very different way. Whereas, but there's, it's very difficult to kind of turn off this thing, especially if somebody else is involved. It's very difficult to turn off this, right, okay, well, what, you know, what do you think we might need? Like I say, the Boy Scout thing, you know. <laughs> do I really need my pen knife, you know, do I really need something to take stones out of a horse's hoof? You might. <laughs> yes. You never know. You never um, know when it might come. Nice. Yeah. I think my, my dad especially is a, he's a real example of this, is that he we we used to literally if if we saw a screw or something in the street, we would pick it up and give it to my dad. And it I think it really was the best present that we could give him. It's just unfortunate that now he has lots and lots of jars and tins filled 
with different types of screws and stuff. And it is that thing, oh, well, you never know when it might come in useful. <laughs> it's like, but you know that 40,000 screws are yes. not all going to come in useful. Yes. And it is, again, it's one of those things that it can easily turn into, you know, you become a hoarder because, of course, anything, you know, any particular size of box. And it's, it's one of those things I'm having to really fight is because I'm like, you cannot just keep acquiring stuff and keeping it because it might come in useful. It's no, like, you no. can't. Especially when it comes to, you know, every single bit of packaging and every single bit of wrapping paper or, you know, whatever. It, it's like, no, 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 no. It, it can. And over time, yeah. yeah, you end up with quite a lot of stuff. Yes. Especially if you don't move. Because I think <laughs> moving, I, I know so I've got a really a lovely friend and she's ended up moving a lot. And she used to say she, she used to love, she would love being in my kitchen because she would see all the different bits. And obviously they've all got a story to them and all this kind of stuff. And lots of the things that she might have, she doesn't have anymore because she, you know, she's moved mm. 10, 15, 20 times. And every time you move, you, you, you know, you automatically get rid of stuff. Gains and losses, aren't there, in, in everything. And I think with, you know, however it is you're wired, I, I think the thing the thing that matters, I would say, is that you understand that it's okay to be wired the way you're wired. And you've yes. talked a lot about, you know, I know when we're interacting with other people, and especially when you're interacting with people that are very differently wired to you, it's very easy to end up feeling you know, oh, I don't fit here because I'm different to that person. Or I, if I want to do my job better, I've got to become like them. And it's like, no, there's, there's always a way of doing things to fit with, with who you are. And it's like, I, yeah. I would say it's way more important that you get confident in who you are and how you do things because if we try to do something that we see other people doing that doesn't come naturally to us we will never do it as well as they do so it's almost like we're always aspiring you can end up aspiring for something that you're never going to get to which is really really it's really bad do um, a good job of being you don't do a bad job of being, being somebody else, else. yeah, yeah. You have two choices. You can you can stay there but be confident in who you are or you leave and find somewhere, you know, that, that fits that fits you better or that accepts you as you are, that you don't have to become something that you're not. And I I think the sensing intuition thing does run through so much of what we do. Right at the beginning you were talking about the fact that it impacts the way that you interact with the world on a sensory level. And I absolutely see that. I remember there's been a few occasions when I have famously not noticed things which are significant. So there was once I I got into work and this chap Clyde, who was a colleague, he said, I waved to you whilst we were driving through Sneed Green and you didn't notice me. I said, Clive, I didn't notice Sneed Green. And indeed, I had been travelling this particular route every Wednesday for a number of years and never noticed that I went through a suburb called Sneed, Sneed Green. Green. So I did look out for Sneed Green the next time that I went and noticed that indeed I did go through somewhere called Sneed Green. Did you see him? <laughs> no, I didn't see him. I think I'd missed that. No that was my one. That no, that was my one opportunity, evidently. And then there was another occasion when I was out walking with friends and they said, look at the deer. And I'm like, what deer? 
to look at the deer and I thought they meant a singular deer so my concept of deer was sort of monarch of the glen you know sort of (laughs) a deer with horns and then we got a bit closer and I realized the reason for the extent of their exasperation with me because there was a whole herd of about 200 yes there was a mass of deer but they didn't fit my concept so I hadn't I simply hadn't seen them and I often feel like my memory is absolutely dreadful because I, I talk to people who have a preference for sensing, who remember the details of stuff that, that they've seen or read or listened to. And I have come away with a number of theories, which I can apply to all sorts of different things. But I have forgotten. I've just forgotten the details. And I think the, that that is something which is just part of the way that I see the world. And so your your kind of concrete seeing of things it absolutely runs through who you are and the way that you approach things and your ability to deal with details. And I have to work hard to deal with details and I can do it, but I need to know which details I'm looking for. And I, I'm quite likely to miss things and everybody misses things sometimes. But your ability to kind of handle lots and lots of different bits and things and have a bag with lots and lots of stuff in it. <laughs> My handbag, apart from kind of bits of tissues painkillers and a journal and the book that I'm currently reading and some pens and that's kind of it I will not have wet wipes <laughs> no I will it, not have it wet. used to be quite quite a joke with some of my friends because I'm, I'm not somebody that's had had children but I would always have wet wipes in my handbag and they'd be like but but why when you don't have children I was like well they're useful but yeah <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody ever wanted well I, I would be the place the place to go to needle and thread in case buttons fallen off i am the kind of person that those little sewing kits that they yeah, sell yeah, yeah. in little in the tourist shops i'm the per- sort of person they're designed for there's there's all these kinds of things and sometimes i'm like i i do kind of react to it sometimes i do like i just want to get rid of it all and this might be an age, it might just be an age thing is that sometimes I'm just like, I, I do wish sometimes that I could just turn off all of that stuff mm. and not be, not be in that position of being kind of motherboard all the time. It's like, yes. ah! <laughs> less of the things. Less yes. of things. I think you can probably make a pretty good guess as to whether somebody is a, if they're a sensor or, or an in tuition person depending on how neat are their nails and how much jewelry have they got <laughs> so oh. yeah what's your theory then my so theory senses have more jewelry or yeah less? they're more like yeah more yeah. so and i and that's and you're not particularly a girly girl but you still have more jewelry than me i'm not particularly yeah. girly girl either but i have got one engagement very, ring very new <laughs> a new engagement <laughs> ring yes i have but yeah. i have but that is that is the extent of my jewelry whereas yes. you needed to remove some bangles yes and there are some other non-jangly bangles so you've yes. got you've still got about 10 bangles yeah and how many like well, I, I guess they have memories because i i kind of have i mean this is i have a gold arm and a silver arm so of course you do because so. you are color coordinated yeah <laughs> But the the the, the main the main items so that so the bangles they are from India so they they're quite special they're, they're sort of special yes and now we're back into details because now yes, I've mentioned yeah, bangles yeah and you're, you're going like, to tell me yeah, all of the things about absolutely. the bangles whereas as intuitive you're like, just like okay I've done the bangle now I just wanted to point it's out making that you've got noise. bangles. <laughs> 
<laughs> take them off. Right, but that's that's. Yeah. But my interest yeah, in the Bengals in this point is, I've got a point. I have a theory yes, about senses and, and yeah. intu- sensing intuition related to jewellery. So that is an seems example. To work. It the does seem to work. Seems to work. So the evidence works. So I've pointed that out. So I don't need to know where each of your bangles came okay. from. Whereas you would be very interested. I assumed that you had an interest in my bangles that you obviously don't. No, I don't. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But again, that's that's a thing that you could really wind people up with, and and you could get you could easily get quite wound up by somebody always giving you the the detail of of stuff. Whereas in the course of this conversation, I've been kind of looking at, okay, so we're talking about this. So you'll go and talk about all of those different things and I'll wait for it to come back. Yeah. I think, I think we, I think yeah. we, we've just, it, a, a moment, this has been really helpful. Well, it's always really helpful to talk because talking mm-hmm. is how I, is, is, a, is a big part of kind of how I process things. I don't always talk in detail. <laughs> it depends what you've asked me. <laughs> I'm like, if you don't want me to talk in detail, ask me a closed question. It's like, it's easy, isn't it? <laughs> do you think we've got to the end of this conversation now? Um, I, I don't know. What, what do you think? I think we, we probably, we probably have. have yeah. There's probably a lot more that, that we could say. But I, I think you've certainly made me think, because I, I, I guess historically... I've thought that the the extroversion and the feeling made a bigger difference, but I think in in talking about this, I'm like, yeah, actually, it's just really key. The sensing probably is the thing, and I guess it's probably the thing that potentially would cause arguments. I think it definitely causes misunderstandings because you're thinking about and prioritizing and seeing the world in different ways. Just to finish with, I remember at a Myers-Briggs workshop, the first time that I encountered this stuff, having a conversation about the difference between people who do sensing and intuition. And my point being, well, I don't need to look at everything. I just need the relevant details. And then somebody saying, so how do you know which the relevant details are? And that really made me think, ah, Yes. Actually, it's really, really helpful to have other people who do spot more details than I do, because it's very easy to come up with a completely different logical argument if you start with different details. And so having a healthy disregard for my grand theories and my kind of this is how the world works, I, I could pass that differently if I started with a different set of details. But it is, it is, I guess it's, again, it's that thing. That's why we need each other, isn't it? It's like, because yeah. I, I would just be swamped with loads of detail if I didn't have a focus of where we're trying to get. And sometimes so, you need somebody else to say, actually, we're heading this way. Yes. And it's like, get out of that hole. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know that one's interesting. Yes. <laughs> but actually, we don't have time for that hole now. I need you <laughs> to yeah. go and look at that hole. And it's like, oh. Yeah. Other holes are available. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. This one's really interesting, but there's other big yeah. pictures too. Yeah. yeah. Fab, thank you very much really? for that. That's thank great. You. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Loved Called Gifted podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email lovedcalledgifted at gmail.com. You can find a transcript of this podcast at lovedcalledgifted.com. And that's also the place to go if you're interested in the Loved Called Gifted course or if you'd like to find out about spiritual direction or coaching. 
thank you for listening.